Hello and praise the Lord. This is Evangelist Frank King. Welcome to Biblical Moments. It is time for us to take an exciting journey into the Word of God. And today I will be talking about the Spirit-led life. I will be teaching from Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 5. And I will be using the New American Standard Version of the Bible. So stay with me as I discuss the Spirit-led life. In the world, we measure the strength of a person differently from how God measures our strength. In the world, we tend to measure strength in physical terms. But in the Lord, strength is measured primarily in spiritual terms. So you don't have to be physically strong to be strong in the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 10, we find these words. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Based on this verse, you can be the weightlifting champion of the world and still be a spiritual weakling. If one faints or gives up doing adversity, the Bible says such a person's strength is small. My friend, it's only through a spirit-led life that we can become strong in the eyes of the Lord. So in this episode, I will be talking about the spirit-led life. Now, the term a spirit-led life is pretty self-explanatory, right? To live a spirit-led life simply means to live your life in unison with the works and leadership of the Holy Spirit. According to the Bible, the Holy Spirit indwells the life of every true believer in Christ. Among other things, for the purpose of empowering, leading, and directing our life. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible gives us a simple plan for living a spirit-led life. There Paul writes, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Think about that. If we consistently make the choice to follow the Spirit and not our flesh, we would be living a Spirit-led life. The last portion of this verse talks about carrying out the desire of the flesh. Let me say that there is nothing necessarily wrong with you just because you have some wrong desires in the flesh. What's wrong is when you fulfill those wrong desires in your flesh. In other words, when you carry them out. It's important for us to realize that just because you are a Christian does not mean that everything you feel within you is from the Holy Spirit. 
For instance, at this point in my life, I am convinced that oftentimes when people claim to be prophesying in the name of the Lord, it's just their flesh and not the Holy Spirit talking. I'm just saying. But let's talk about why living the spirit-led life is easier said than done. Here's what Paul writes in verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. What this verse says is true about every one of us, not in the past, but now as a Christian. Remember, Paul is writing this to believers. So let's see how this plays itself out. When you know the Holy Spirit or the Word of God is leading you to go in a particular direction or to do a particular thing, your flesh will set its desire against what the Holy Spirit and or the word of God is directing you to do and vice versa. That tug of war exists within all of us. This same apostle Paul talks about this reality also in Romans chapter 7. There he says, my inward man, the part of me that's born again, loves God. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. So to live a spirit led life, you have to choose to obey the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit does not make you live for the Lord, but it empowers or enables us to do so. So let's get down to where the rubber hits the road. We said in verse 16, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out or fulfill the desire of the flesh. But what exactly does that mean? In other words, how do we know that we are walking in or by the Spirit? Well, Paul gives us some practical help regarding that in this chapter. He lists a number of the deeds of the flesh. He says... Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Now remember, according to verse 16, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Well, verses 19 through 21, which I just read, list a number of the deeds of the flesh. So one way to assure that we are living a Spirit-led life is by avoiding the behavior mentioned in verses 19 through 21. That's because the flesh and the spirit diametrically oppose each other. If you are walking by the spirit, you are not carrying out the deeds of the flesh. But if you are carrying out 
the deeds of the flesh mentioned in verses 19 through 21, you are not walking by or in the spirit. Then in verses 22 and 23, Paul addresses what he calls the fruit of the spirit. There he writes, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. An interesting thing here is that Paul does not say the fruits of the spirit are as in plural, but he says the fruit of the spirit is as in singular, even though he mentions nine different things. So these are nine attributes of the fruit of the spirit. Now let's dig deeper into what Paul is saying here. You see, if I were to look at you, I can't just tell by looking at you whether or not you are walking in the spirit or being led by the spirit. But if by your actions you exemplify one of the attributes mentioned in verses 22 or 23, then that means you were walking by the Holy Spirit. You see, it's only when you walk in or by the Holy Spirit that you can produce the fruit of the Spirit or the yield of the Spirit. So let's review what we have talked about here. We are told to walk by the Spirit so we don't carry out the deeds of the flesh. Since the two oppose each other, obeying our flesh results in our failure to walk by the Spirit, and walking by the Spirit keeps us from carrying out wrong desires of the flesh. Then we are given a representative list of the works of the flesh which we are to shun and we are given the attributes of the Holy Spirit, which we are to emulate. If we do these things, we will be well on the way to living a spirit-led life. Now, let me briefly mention a couple of other things we need to do to realize the spirit-led life. One is we need to feed regularly on the word of God. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus says, We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is the food that you need to nourish yourself spiritually. And because the word of God and the spirit of God are in agreement, you need the word of God to help you live a spirit-led life. Another thing we need to do is we need to draw nearer to God. My friend, there is always room for us to get closer to God. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, we are promised that if we draw near to God, that he will draw near to us. God wants to be closer to us, but we must first make our move toward God. And the closer we get to God, the more we will have a heart that is after or in pursuit of his heart. My friend, living a spirit-led life is the will of God for us. God does not indwell us with his spirit just for the sake of indwelling us. 
but he has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, to help us effectively live for him, and to empower us to do the work he has called us to do. But we must first allow our lives to be led by the Holy Spirit. As a spiritual leader, I praise God for the awesome work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. My friend, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you so you can become a man or woman who walks with God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I want to thank you for listening today as we talked about the all-important subject of the Spirit-led life. Until next time, this is Evangelist Frank King saying, May heaven's best be yours.